There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? A little bit of what? A chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. I ain't got no idea. One step in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time, lunch time, fall weather almost on the way time. Tennessee looking for its first win in the SEC in like a long time, time, whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Fun crew in the house today. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey, Patrick Brown. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, the famous curse of death. We're recording this before Pruitt's, Jeremy Pruitt's Wednesday night press conference, which means that something will inevitably happen that is major news, and then we'll have to discuss it, and I'll have to go back and edit this later. But the reason that we're having to record this on a Wednesday is because I'm headed down to Birmingham, that area, a day early, speaking to the Birmingham alumni group for the University of Tennessee. So had to get down there one day early, then meet up with these jokers on Friday on the outskirts of Auburn, Alabama. And then we'll be in Jordan-Hare Stadium, bright and early Saturday. Kegs and Eggs, 11 a.m. local kickoff there in Auburn. Noon Eastern kickoff between the Vols and the 21st-ranked Fighting Plainsmen, Fighting Tigers not of Jordan Auburn Hare. University. It's not Jordan Hare. It's Jer- Jer- I, said, Jer- I said Jordan Hare, didn't I? No, you did. And I'm telling people that are thinking you are pronouncing it wrong that it is Jordan because that's one of the many weird things that Auburn does. Yeah. Uh, what, Auburn's, what, Auburn's a weird place. What happens, weird if, what happens if You're Auburn... a weird place and a weird person. What <laughs> happens if uh, Tennessee running back Tim Buff Hamster Jordan... Gets a touchdown in Jordan Hare. That's going to be like the ultimate potato-potato touchdown is what that would be. But for that to happen, Tennessee would have to score touchdowns. long story short, if you're in Birmingham Thursday night, find something else to do. Yeah. Like go to Topgolf. There's a Topgolf in the area. That's what we'd be doing if the game was on Friday. There's a nice new area there near downtown where they got a bunch of new restaurants and things. They're doing a great job in that part of Birmingham. So you can head over there. Uh, You can go catch a movie, perhaps the – the one about the man on the moon, go see Venom, all kinds of stuff you can go do with your Thursday. However, if you are a University of Tennessee fan or University of Tennessee alum living in or the, a fan of the circus, Bur- that's true, in the Birmingham area, I will bring my uh, Ringling Brothers uh, Greatest Showman costume down there, perform a dance routine, and then talk to you about the University of Tennessee volunteers. I'll let you know which one of those things I'm actually doing. I will not be dancing in Birmingham. However, also was good to go down there. Shout out to the people down there at the Real Time Summit Tuesday morning in Chattanooga. Had a good time with those guys talking about some social media stuff, about the future of media. And guess what, guys? We're the future. How does it feel to be the future? The roof is the ceiling. We are... The ceiling is the roof. We are influencers, is what we are. We are a group of influencers. Young, powerful, professional people who do those things. Phil Fulmer spoke at my graduation... 
Probably PB's graduation, too. I think we graduated at the same and graduation. said, life's a blank canvas and we're the paintbrush. I don't remember that at all. Well, way to pay attention, people. <laughs> yeah, so we can tell who paid attention and who didn't at their that's, graduation. That canvas is and pretty look, blank. Yeah, look at me now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even pay attention. Look where I am now. Yeah, I don't even know who talked at my uh, graduation. Because it, it was in 1975. It was a long time ago. It was back they didn't in... They microphones. There's bigger <laughs> systems. 2003 or four. It was I don't like, even have graduations. Did they have colleges then? I think it was Blunt College then, technically. I don't think it was the University of Tennessee yet. However... Uh, we were talking earlier about Tim Jordan scoring a touchdown in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And for that to happen, Tennessee's going to have to go down there to Jordan-Hare Stadium and score points. And Tennessee hopes to score more points than an SEC football team for the first time in 12 games. Tennessee's SEC losing streak is up to 11. Don't want to harp on that, but I'm just going to keep saying that number in hopes that maybe one day it will feel like it's we, real because it still doesn't. If we really want to start this podcast on a bright note, this isn't the way to do it. Son, that is 17 months. Mm-hmm. Looks like I might have to be the sunshine. No, no, 15 months. I'm sorry. 15 months old. He's learned to walk and talk and dance, do all the stuff that kids do at that age. When Tennessee last won an SEC game, he was, my wife was eight weeks pregnant. How about that? Looks like I'm going to have to be the sunshine pumper on this try. Tennessee basketball was playing in the Maui Invitational the last time. Tennessee football when I SEC, there you go there SEC, you go uh, see there's something there's something kind of positive and, and again if, if you want to talk some positives here my stance on this team is I'm just going to be honest about it I have given this team the benefit of the doubt 1.5 times this season a half time going into West Virginia that they'd make it a game and then another time that they would beat Florida and I have exhausted my benefit of the doubt this team is getting no more rope for me in terms of how much I will predict for them to have success this season. But I still think – I thought going into the season it's 5-7 and seven team. I think that's still maybe where things are now. But but if you've not paid attention uh, – and let's, let's say you've tuned out on football. Let's say Tennessee's lost 11 straight games and you're thinking, I don't even care. Life is pointless. I'm not watching football anymore. I'm going to go hike and, or, or do whatever else it is that people do on Saturdays in the fall. I'm going to go do those things. If you have been doing those things – Auburn is sort of driving the struggle bus right now, too, relative to what it was supposed to be this season. Auburn went into the season as a top 10 and right there around there was ranked eighth nationally going into that game again at Mississippi State last week. Uh, And then the Tigers just kind of took them to task. They ran all over Auburn's vaunted rushing defense, uh, used a different style of offense than Tennessee has, a different kind of quarterback than Tennessee has. But long story short, Auburn has now lost two games this season, lost the heartbreaker to LSU, and then lost at Mississippi State last week. So this team, this Auburn team, went into the season with national title hopes. Great defense. Uh, a lot of people returning on offense. Lose on Johnson, but bring back Stidham, who's a, supposedly a great quarterback, had played well last season. Uh, some, some wide receivers that were big-time players, Slate and guys like that. This was supposed to be a championship-contending team, and it already has two losses, and it tumbled down to 21st in the rankings this week. And if you've been reading the work from uh, our coworker down at Auburn Undercover, uh, 24-7 Sports Auburn site, Brandon Marcello, who does a great job, he basically laid out this week that they have got major problems down there too. So this would seem to be an 11 a.m. local kickoff, a team with some issues behind the scenes. This is a, Probably not a full stadium. Yeah, this is probably, guys, isn't it about the best time to catch a team like this probably? Yeah, uh, I, I would say um, that's probably true. I'm not going to pick. I don't think I'm going to pick Tennessee to win. 
I can't do it. Uh, I think they'll cover. Spoiler alert. Lions down to 15 and a half, I think, according to what I'm looking in some, at. In some books, yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everything is there. And so, I mean, you were uh, watching Auburn last week, obviously. Saturdays for us on open date, Saturdays for us are, are nice days. Yes. We went on a hike, actually. Um, nice. But watching all Auburn. Foliage. Uh, not no, it was it was still pretty hot. It's still pretty hot in it's East like Tennessee. Ninety five degrees. Keep going. Um, but uh, watching Auburn last week, it was just like eh, kind of they're kind of ordinary. They're certainly not invincible. Um, and they're just they're just not playing well on on offense right now. Um, this is you know Gus Malzahn's team's always been able to run the ball, and they haven't run for a hundred yards as a team in three games. I think it's the first time since nineteen ninety nine that's not happened. This is a program that's had. Uh, a 1,000 yard rusher, like every year, dating back to like 2008, and they're not gonna probably not gonna do it this year, barring a major turnaround. So uh, they got some question, they got some issues up front. Jared Siddham is playing; it almost looks like he's regressed. I mean, he missed two. That, that, he missed, that's the right word, yeah. He, he missed two open, wide open guys. They had a great play on a third and short where they uh, kind of, in typical Auburn fashion, did a little reverse pass to get the ball to Stidham, and there was nobody within 20 yards of Darius Slayton, and Stidham just overthrew him badly. Like it wasn't like off his fingertips, it was like by a couple yards. Yeah, it, it was a Benny like, Hill kind of moment. And, and but then you look at it that way, and and you you know, and you see that you know Auburn had a touchdown that looked like a touchdown that was ruled a touchback, but they didn't have the right angle on it. And then they had another touchdown that didn't look like Nick Fitzgerald broke the plane, but they couldn't didn't have an angle to return. What was called on the field. So you take all those things into account, and that's I mean, maybe that's a different game last week, but. Uh, and then you take into account Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback like Nick Fitzgerald or even a quarterback that's a running threat at all. So uh, it's going to be a different um, uh, – the way – the you know, Auburn's struggles defensively last week may not translate. And that would be concerning for me for Tennessee because uh, Tennessee's offense is kind of a mess right now. They don't know what they are. They might be starting Nathan Niehaus at right guard. <laughs> I mean, that's – that's a possibility. We'll see if that actually happens. Not what I would have um, predicted no. going into the season for and, 400, Alex. And I don't know if that's going to be something they're just doing in practice or if because Jerome Carvin is having to get a lot of work at center that they're, he's just focusing there and they're not going to play him right guard. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there. But uh, that and the fact that Auburn does a lot of stuff on the perimeter, and I still have some pretty big question marks about Tennessee's speed and athleticism, particularly at linebacker, uh, and their tackling at the, at the second level, I think is still a little bit of a question mark for me. So – uh, if Auburn does a lot of stuff at the perimeter, and this is what they do with with Gus's offense, then that those are two big main concerns that are keeping me from thinking Tennessee will will win this game. And I think they have a chance, but uh, th- those things give me a lot of pause. They they have a chance because the frustrations are so well rounded at Auburn. I mean, they rushed for ninety four at Mississippi State, and they gave up three forty nine rushing. Not a great Not a great ratio. ratio. And then Kevin Steele vows to fix his defense. And Chip Lindsey says they should have scored 30, even though they didn't score a touchdown at Mississippi State. I mean, that's the kind of stuff when coaches start saying that. And, and then Your team's not in a good place. And, and then you, you, you touched on this earlier, Wes, but some of the stuff that uh, that, that Brandon had uh, on their board, which I still don't know what a, what a bot get it is. Do you all know what that is? No. That's what the name of their board. Ours is, ours is the checkerboard, which is, I mean, we, we, everybody knows what we're getting at there. We don't know what Auburn's doing. That's another uh, weird Auburn thing. I'm sure it's some fights on or something. I wanted to name it General Neyland's Big Old Damn Football Board, but I, I, I lost that. People would understand I lo- that. But, I lost that battle. But just uh, – and I'm not going to go into the details of his post because that's stuff that they put out there for, for their guys. But um, a lot of strife, I think, is the word. And a lot of stuff that, that we read and think – Tension. Hey, a lot of stuff that we read and think, oh, huh, that reminds me a little bit of last year covering Tennessee. There's a lot of – you know. 
divisions in the locker room, you know, things like that. And then, you know, the head coach doesn't seem to be aware of some of the disconnect and the discord between the staff and the players and between the players and the players. And so you just wonder how all this is going to play out. Is it that bad? Um, clearly things get bad after a loss. And for a team, like, as you mentioned, Wes, that was preseason top ten, the start of October, they're, at, they're out of it. I mean, they're not going to – unless they went out only – you know, it's hard to see them with two they losses. They have to win out and playoff. Bama has to lose I mean, they have one. to they have to beat Bama. They have to beat Georgia. They get both those games on the road. I mean – now, however, if, now, they, if, they I, win those if, games, if they win both those games, Alabama at Georgia, yeah, yeah but okay. I mean, but at this point, nobody's touching Alabama, and I don't think anybody's going to beat Georgia in Athens. So um, I think the chasm between those two teams and the rest of the league is growing wider. But, um, I mean, what, what's you know, the, the, the fans won't be motivated for 11 a.m. Central time. They're supposed to be striping the stadium, but there's going to be a lot of gray. Yeah, as in the bleachers. Maybe that. Uh, maybe that's part of the. the, the it's going to be orange, touch. orange, blue, and gray. It's a it's a cheer or a chant or something related to War Eagle. Will they still have? The, do, will they? Will the Eagle even come out for this one, or will they just be like, meh? I don't know. The Eagle's pissed. He's taking the week off. They just put them on the hashtag. video. They just put them on the video board. So is, show highlights. This is a chant. So, <laughs> but let's be honest. Hashtag that's so Auburn. If you put your, it's like a pigeon that they have that they fly around. If you, they've got, if the, you, they've got the backup eagle. <laughs> If you try to adopt the mentality of a Tennessee football fan that's watched this football program over the last decade, you're thinking going into this weekend that, A, Auburn finds itself and everything's fine and they look like the team that beat Washington to start the year. Uh, B, Tennessee plays well and it's a really dramatic game and somehow Auburn finds a way to win late. And C, those are probably the only two options because that's what you've seen for the last decade plus. Well, you think that this is – Aside from a short spurt there. Yeah, and, and you – you know, you kind of the talk going into this game is Auburn looks like they're wobbling, and Tennessee's coming off an open date. They played just and it's Jeremy Pruitt who's they, they just played well faced Auburn the last five seven years. They played yeah. they, they played just well enough in some in spurts at Georgia to say hey, there's some hope there. And then this is like Lucy holding the football, and Charlie Brown's in his orange jersey, and then pull the football away. Right, and Florida it looked like Florida was <laughs> yeah. struggling a couple weeks ago. Florida was there for the taking. Uh, Florida uh, had lost to Kentucky at home for the first time in thirty years. It's just it's going to be what Tennessee can do. It's not what Auburn can or can't do. It's what Tennessee is going to be able to get accomplished because if they turn the football over uh, early and, and get themselves out of it, then it's it's going to be a long day. You can't keep digging twenty four point holes like you did at Georgia, like you did twenty six to whatever it was twenty six to three against Florida, thirty three to three. Uh, if they can get some momentum early, you can take the crowd out of it. It's an 11 a.m. local time kick. Obviously, anything can happen. But with this team, like Wes said, you just got to see stuff to believe it at this point. Yeah, and I will say this. I almost always, and even in this game, I do believe that it's more about what Tennessee will do, not what the situation at Auburn is. However, I have covered, I think, two teams, if I can remember correctly, that went into the season with national championship hopes, and those were gone probably midway through the season or early in the season, and, and both times those teams sort of spiraled. Uh, that When you go into a season expecting so much and you're very quickly having the rug pulled out from underneath you, when it happens that quickly, uh, that thing can get nasty, and that's where you get the offense and the defense you know, being feisty with each other. Uh, that's when you get uh, some scuffles that aren't good. That's when you get coaches and players – who don't really want to talk to each other. Nobody wants to, to see the other person when they go into the office every day or go into work. You don't work out as hard. You don't finish tackles as hard. You know, you don't push yourself in those late conditioning drills. You, you, just the focus goes. And 
I don't know that it's at that point with Auburn, but when you read what Brandon Marcello has written this week, and Brandon knows Auburn about as well as anybody does, uh, you know that there are some real issues there and that if Tennessee can find a way to get something early. Now, at least if they just play great defense early and they keep themselves in it, I think that's a win for this team. If if this team can just, you know, midway through the third quarter – have had Auburn not go away from them, that, to me, qualifies as a good start. That would be a step in the right Just direction. Just do what you did against West Virginia. I mean, you can give up stuff defensively, but don't give up touchdowns. Give up field goals and put together a good drive, a good touchdown drive to settle down a little bit, make adjustments, get it to halftime at 10-7, to 13-7, whatever that game was, because they don't have Will Greer and they don't have that. I mean, they have offensive options. They just haven't been clicking. I and mean, you're not going to be able to – do what West Virginia did. If you can just get it to halftime like they did in that game, you'll get it to the third, fourth quarter. To me, when you get out of – when you get anywhere near that middle third of the field, kind of there in between like the 30s or 35s, I think when Tennessee gets to that area, I would like to see Tennessee get more aggressive. Now, what does that mean? Uh, that means either take shots downfield if you can protect, and if you cannot protect, that means you throw any kind of gadget you've got. There is no reason not to try it at this point. Uh, I'm not saying that you abandon your entire principle offensively, but I'm saying you scheme something up. You know, like, like that play against Georgia that was one of the plays of the season so far, that, that touchdown pass to Josh Palmer. They did that double shift kind of right there pre-snap, and you had Josh Palmer mi- mixed up against the Georgia linebacker. And they're going, what? And runs right by him for a touchdown. And – that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be a trick play. It can be a you know a shift. It can be something you haven't shown on film. Just something a little bit different, something that might give you a juice, something th- that might get you going a little bit because it really can be as simple as one play. Early in the game, one play can sort of dictate the way a game goes a lot of times. It can be a big hit, you know, a big play by the defense, big play by special teams, uh, just something positive early that's not just you're trying to hold on because this team this game right here I think you could make an argument that Tennessee has a better chance to win at Auburn than it does to win at home against Missouri and the simple fact is I don't care who Missouri plays except maybe like an Alabama Missouri's going to put points on the board and once you get up to around 30 points I don't know that Tennessee can can score points with you at that point no matter who you are however if you are in a game like this where Auburn's struggling offensively and you can keep them in there, kind of a slugfest, stay within a score or two right there going into the fourth quarter, give yourself a chance, and I think they can do that in this game. I, I flat out disagree with you on the Auburn-Missouri comparison. I Fair will say enough. That right and you're, that's, you're, you think Tennessee's going to score 30 points on any SEC team? Um, the contention in they, this room is thick. I mean, <laughs> if you want to play the what-if Cut if it with game, a butter knife. If you want to play the what-if game, they almost scored 31 against Florida, whose defense has turned out to be pretty okay, pretty good. I mean, they have fumbling yeah. in the end zone, and then a, they just mishandled. They didn't catch a snap. I mean, those are the fine, you know. You Which, shoot in fairness, sh- can be really hard to do <laughs> when you do it about 100 times every single day. Well, that, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, just kidding, it's, it's not. You take away those two turnovers, he's got 31 points in that game. Um, now, I'm not saying that this offense is amazing, um, but I look at this Auburn defense, and this Auburn defense, I think, is still playing really hard. Um, the offense is a mess. There's probably some disconnect there. The guys defen- playing for their futures the professionally, defen- too. The, yeah, the defensive guys aren't probably aren't big fans of the offense right now, uh, especially when they're, you know, Jared Simmons not playing very well. Um, but those defensive guys are still, looks like they're still going hard. You got guys like Deshaun Davis who had 
was playing through a knee injury last week. He's a team leader for them. Yeah. Uh, and then you got all these guys on the uh, on the defensive front. Derek Brown's a guy that Tennessee fans will remember because uh, Tennessee made a, a push for him or was right there for him a couple years ago. He's going to be probably a first round pick. But when it gets to be Tennessee, uh, when it gets to be a one on one battle in recruiting Tennessee v Auburn late in the process, for so many years we knew exactly what that meant. Well, Tennessee's gotten a better Auburn the last couple couple guys this year in this true. cycle. But um, that's true. Uh, Dontavius Russell's another guy. Uh, Marlon Davidson. Uh, these guys are future NFL players and. Just the thought alone of those guys going up against Tennessee's offensive line has <laughs> that that's that's as tough as matchup as Tennessee's going to have this year. Um, no offense to Missouri, I don't think Missouri is very good. I think Missouri is good offensively. What we know from drama, the drama uh, point of view, if a team is as frustrated as this one is based on the stuff that's been out there this the chatter, week, the chatter, the chatter, the rumors, the whatever rumors with a Z. Yeah, rumors. With rumors. It doesn't take long for that to really that snowball to start going downhill, and for a season to really. But can, is Tennessee good enough to push the snowball? Right, right. Is my question. You're going to have to do something early, like Wes is talking about. Empty the bag of tricks, whatever you can do to find some momentum. Because if Tennessee can win this game, I mean, obviously it's a kind of a signature moment for Jeremy Pruitt and the progress he's trying to make. I mean, it just completely changes the season because then you're going into November probably sitting on three wins knowing you're going to get a fourth against Charlotte. If you can find two more, you can get to a bowl game. If this team gets to a bowl game, that's a heck of a coaching job. Yes, it is. uh, By this staff. So, uh, I mean, this game, it feels like they have a chance, but if they can make it into a legit chance and do something, then it it changes things. well, I, I think defensively Tennessee will find a way to keep themselves in this game. First of all, Auburn's struggling right now. Uh, and second of all, you, I think you touched on it, Grant. Jeremy Pruitt has coached against this Auburn offense last, really last eight years, but the past five years as a defensive coordinator. So he knows what it takes to slow these guys down. Problem is, is that in those uh, in those games, he had obviously a lot better talent than he has right now. Um, and players that have played against it every year. True. Uh, and so, and, and again, none of these players have played against this this scheme and so they don't know about the quirky like counter draw handoffs that they do where the quarterback they do stuff very few hands the teams. ball off from behind the running back i mean Auburn, oregon does some stuff that they do yeah, but but not a lot it's of unconventional is the way it is um and so you got to be ready for little quirks like that you got to be ready for the wildcat um they'll, they'll do some of that so um i, yeah, I t- think tennessee would be wise to use <coughs> a little bit of that too this week actually i think I, I think tennessee's game plan will be geared on um not giving up big plays, not giving up anything cheap. You got to make this Auburn offense in its current state drive down the field on you, um, and and that's what you got to do. So you've got to be able to don't let them get the stadium going with an eighty-yard touchdown. Yeah, you you, you got to be you know you got to be wary for the trick plays. You can't let anybody get behind you. Um, I think Darius Slayton's their deep threat guy. Um, he's the guy that can get behind you. And they're going to move him around for a matchup that they like. Maybe someone like Ab- try to get him isolated against Abernathy or, or even better, an outside linebacker, and have him go and, to town. And again, my my big question is, can Tennessee make plays sideline to sideline? That's why I think they need to play Corte Sapp by at least 75% of the time. Darren Kirkland's great story. He's not he's, – this is not his game. I don't know if it's Patula's kind of game either, though. Uh, he's better sideline to sideline than Nignan is right now. Um, so Yeah, he is. Um, I, I think you got to play Patuli and Sapp a lot in this game and, and hope that uh, your guys like Nigel Warrior, uh, Abernathy can come down and make plays. Abernathy, I, I think he's a little banged up right now. He's looked like he's been a little bit limited uh, in what we saw on Tuesday. I think they gave him a couple of maintenance days last week too. So, um, and obviously without Trayvon Flowers, they're going to be potentially relying on some young guys who haven't played a lot. 
some guys are, I mean, let me rephrase that, some guys that are either young or have not played a lot this season. Um, if you're talking about Theo Jackson, who struggled when he's played, uh, Sean Chamberger's been in and out of the doghouse, and then Todd Kelly Jr. is, I don't think he's that big of a factor, but he's not maybe that far away from being a factor, and I think he's still working to get back into the mix. Yeah, th- this um, game. But yeah. it's just, I, I think Pruitt's game plan, I think we'll see, like we saw at Georgia, that Pruitt will have a good game plan. He will have his guys in position to make some plays. And the question is, can Tennessee and some of these players make it? Can't be dropping interceptions. If you've got Jarrett Sidham wrapped up for a sack, can't let him get loose. Things like that. They, if the ball's on the ground, we saw against Georgia, four fumbles, didn't get on any of them. you got to get on this. Um, those are the little things that, that you, you saw against Georgia that Pruitt had a good game plan because you knew those guys. He's going to know these guys too. Um, and so you've got to wonder if – it's hard to rep if, that. If in the, scout, it's hard if, to rep if that. If the in athleticism and and the speed and when it gets down to Jimmy's and Joe's, I think that's that's going to be the big question with the the matchup between Tennessee's defense and Auburn's offense. I think the X's and O's will be in place. I think Prue will know what he's doing. He'll have some good calls. Uh, he may not have perfect ones every play, but I think he'll give his guys a chance. Um, and it's just they've got to go out and execute. and They've got to make the plays on the field. Here's I, here's I, a fun discussion. If Tennessee did put in a wildcat, who should run it? Outside of what we've seen, I Dog. think Ty Chandler's takes some snaps. Dog, I mean they've had Jordan do it before. Ty, uh, Tim Jordan. Yeah, they, they've had they've had Hester. I had the dog in mind too. Dog. He can do it. He's big, call big, him cat phys- dog. big physical guy. Big physical Wild guy. Dog. He could do it. He could do it. Now, what I think is interesting is this is a game where I think Tennessee would 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 dislike not having Trayvon Flowers, especially because I think this is athleticism. This would be a game that I think if you were Tennessee, you could play some dime in some situations against this. I know that Auburn runs the ball a lot, but still they spread, uh, you, out. They spread you out a lot. And Tennessee has this season at times used Kirkland as, as kind of a dime middle linebacker. I think a dime with Sap as kind of the mic would be interesting. But, you know, not having flowers there means that you're you're and not even having Kenneth George either. You're dipping down into the well to, to get some of these guys because you feel like, you know, with five guys, you feel okay about that. Because you've got basically, you know, you've got Taylor and Thompson at corner. You got um, Warrior on the field. You've got Abernathy on the field, and then you've got Buchanan there. So, so that that give, that's okay for for a five. But now, if it's six, is it Schamberger that comes on? I mean, who, who, how do they, how do they make that work? And and that would be more interesting if they had kind of a big physical like I think maybe Warrior and Abernathy would be okay in that because Abernathy can almost go down to the linebacker like a like a strong side linebacker he can almost be a Sam for you because of his size so there's a lot of chess match stuff that I think could go on in this game because I think what you said is exactly right Patrick I think Pruitt knows almost exactly what Gus and that Auburn offense want to do Um, but the problem is Tennessee has not seen it in a long time and that offense it's hard to replicate with your scout team who's just learned it for a couple days and they're not as athletic. It's well, hard it's to co- rep couple, that. A couple more days because they had an extra week. They did have an extra week. But I think they spent a lot of that working on themselves. Um, but, but they did do scout team stuff last week. But but how would they go to – it's hard to replicate some of that stuff. So so that that's that's the, the, the push and pull there for me on that one is that I think when, when you start breaking this down, you look at matchups in this game. And I think Grant had a great question about the Wildcat, too. That's something we could discuss. Uh, but I, I think when you start breaking down the matchups on both sides of the ball, special teams, all that stuff, this is a game where if Tennessee's guys, if Tennessee's good players play well, 
and the rest of the players play okay, if everyone to a reasonable degree does their job, Tennessee could very well be in this game in the second half. It's not a stretch at all. Of course, you could also see the flip side of that where Auburn goes out there, busts out a couple big plays early, and then it's it's blouses at that point. But I think this is a game where when Wait, you look at things, Tennessee could be okay to make does, this a game. Does everybody get blouses at Auburn? Is that what you're saying? Game blouses. Kind of sounds like something they'd do. Maybe. Yeah. That'd be like a weird version of the turnover chain. They do wear suits, or they do wear like ties and stuff. The touchdown blouse. It's just a matter of which Tennessee team shows up. Is it the first half against West Virginia team or the second half? Is it the 24 nothing against Georgia or the get it back to 24-12 against Georgia team? I mean... We, we could do a, so, uh, a whole separate podcast on this as I'm looking this up, but uh, we released our team talent composite rankings last week, which takes into account all of the uh, players on a, on a team's roster, transfers, signees, does, takes out guys that aren't with the program anymore. Writers. Um, and... Well, does not include us. Does we, it? We, we would rise up the rankings if we were included in this. Rise to the top, you could say. <laughs> rise to the top button. Oh, gosh, here we go. Man, you, uh, know, you know what's great, though? I mean, think about it. No matter I'm what happens. Yet. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I had a positive thought. No, I was trying to be the a brave sunshine. is back. God, stepping all over my toes. Stay in your in lane. Room. This guy over here, this guy's triggered over me. This guy right here, um, this he's is triggered. This is worse than Khabib and McGregor. Anyways, uh, in this in this in this ranking of, of every player on Tennessee's roster as as, high, as a high school recruit, Tennessee is the fifteenth most talented team in the country according to this. Auburn is fourteenth. I think we got some of those wrong. <laughs> Why I, are you blaming us? You ha- you have your boy to blame. Who's my boy? The intern, Lyle uh, Allen Jones. Uh, mm. Well, let's not get let's not get into this. By we, I mean our. I was joking about our rankings, guys. There, I wasn't joking about. Because this this is a whole this is a whole podcast. You're painting uh, yourself into a corner here. I'm just saying. I can't just wait till opinion. I can't wait till our bosses hear about this. You're gonna get in trouble. Oh, I'll get murdered probably. I'm just saying, no one bats a thousand. Okay, there's some of these like combo. Out, right? We'd look back <laughs> and be like, maybe we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. There. I mean, get the it happens. Gift ready. It happens. But he, here was here was my point of positivity. My power of positive oh thinking. I had a, I had a point with that. I don't know where it went because Wes derailed it. So good job, Wes. I think your point I think was you Tennessee could be a good football team if they figure it out. <laughs> I don't think that was it. But good try. Tennessee, Tennessee could either win or lose this football game. Is that insight? They can't tie is, that, is that where you're going, Patrick? They can't tie it. Shout out to the National the, uh, Football League. No, I, I, do you remember how Butch Jones' press conferences, once you got like past a certain mark, would sort of like you always had the potential that this would go off the rails? Well, oh, Dooley, it was po- all, Dooley podcast, was like eight or nine minutes. The, the podcast the with the three of us, you get like the, you get to the thirty minute mark, and this thing, we don't know where it's going. No, my, my it's point, it's wobbling. It could go off the road. My point, and, We're and picking again, up speed. I know this will be something that everyone in this room right now, everyone sitting in Fort Rucker Studio, will agree with this. I don't know if people on the outside will view this as positively, but I was thinking about this just a second ago. No matter what happens this season, no matter how bad this team gets, we don't have to deal with any more of that crap. We don't have to deal with the spin. We don't have to deal with the, uh, the, the, the social media, like, you know, hype, uh, you know, stuff, the, the hashtags, the rise to the top, 
the five star hearts. We don't have to deal with that. And that part of it, I think, is exquisite. Well, the problem with the problem with that is Tennessee fans have, have gotten to the use to that over the last however many months Pruitt's been here. They understand that there's not going to be he's going to be he's going to keep it real, so to speak. And now they just want to see wins. They want to see a team that gets better. They want to oh, have to wait a while. They want to see a team that's competitive. They want to see a team, team that, that shows progress. That shows progress. That has an identity on offense. That does things that don't make you scratch your head. Um, you want a reason to believe at the end of the season, regardless of the record, there's a reason to believe you're going to be interested in the 2019 football season. Yeah, and, and they want to see, you know, again, they want to see progress. They want to see an offense that maximizes what it does have, which is a lot of touches for Ty Chandler, a lot of jump balls for Marquez Calloway, a lot of jump balls for Juwan Jennings. you you got to get those guys more involved in offense, and, and you've got to make strides. And um, I, I think you are starting to see it a little bit defensively. Statistically, their, their defensive ranks aren't that bad right now. I think they're 30th in total defense right now. Does that mean they're the 30th best defense in college football? No, probably not. But statistically, but statistically, it's not a it's not the sample size isn't tiny at this point. It's not in it's not an error to say that Tennessee is ranked thirtieth in total defense. That's a fact because it hasn't played Alabama yet. Probably. Well, I don't think there's any frustration defensively. I think there's plenty of frustration offensively. I think special teams is meh. Offensively, what's their identity? I mean, I think I they've been you, pretty good. On you, special know, teams. you know, they want to be physical. You know, they want to run the football. Do it with a lot of different guys, but I mean, I don't think anybody's terribly impressed with what's happened on offense through what five games. I think that when you don't have an identity, when you don't know what your identity is, it, it it's tough to do anything on offense when you can't block. And when I say you can't pass protect, most of that's the offensive line. Let's call it what it is, but not all of it is. It's tight ends doing their part. It's running backs. You know, getting the right guy when they blitzers come through the gap. It, there, there's there's all sorts of things in pass protection that make it what it's supposed to be. And if any part of that breaks down, and you don't have like a Michael Vick kind of guy back there, you know, or even like someone like a Baker Mayfield who can just make something happen. When you don't have that kind of guy, it makes it what tough a when you can't you block. Baker. Oh, silly me mentioning the Heisman Trophy winner and a good football player already. That's all, that's all you remember. In the NFL. I remember him as the. Flag planting, crotch grabber. That's what I remember. Flag planting is not a crime. It is if you do it in astroturf. It's disrespectful. Damages the turf. Act mm. like you've been. It's act like you've been there. Damage to property. So now we're getting mad at someone for celebrating success. Is that what we're doing? Is that have we reached this part of the podcast? Act like you've been there before, Baker. Get the gift ready, Grant. I got him. Listen, triggered, triggered again. Before we do get out of here, we do need to mention. Two things. Well, we're going to get to questions at the end of this, and then... Who's got questions? Uh, people on the GoVoss 24-7 checkerboard, Grant. I'm glad that you asked. On internet.com? People on internet.com. And before we get out of that, that though, it, it, what can they do up front? Is there anything they can do up front? Can this... Not will this get better, because none of us know that. Can this get better is the question right now. Can this pass protection, can this run blocking, can this get better? I thought their pass protection was better against Georgia. It, it didn't feel like Georgia didn't have a lot of sacks as a team, though. It didn't feel like Garantano got pulverized like he did against Florida. It didn't feel like it was a fast break against <laughs> the pass jailbreak. Yeah, um, every play and, a jailbreak it, screen. That's weird. And it turns out Florida's Florida's front front seven might be, might be pretty decent, um, especially those defensive end guys. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. This, I think this is a bad matchup on the offensive line. Um, and if Tennessee can't run the ball, I don't think they have uh, a chance because. Uh, a lot of what they do is built off play action. I think Jared Garantano is a better quarterback on play action. You got to, you, you, 
and this is where it gets back to. I think you have to spread the field in this game. I, I, it gets back to, what do you want to? What do you want to be? Do you want to? Are, are you focused on building towards an identity long term, even though this offense doesn't really suit that, or are you going to sacrifice some maybe some long term progress, and maybe try to do more what your what you what suits this offense? I think you got to put your players in position because to have success. I, I, I think this offense wants to be an offense that can push the ball downfield. Well, right now they can't protect and they can't run the ball effectively enough to do the play action passes that allow those downfield plays to develop. So are you going to do more? Are you going to spread it out? Are you going to throw quick stuff? Are you going to throw three-step drops and throw jump balls down the sideline if you got one-on-one with, with some of your bigger receivers? Little things like that. We just don't know. Um, but I think, and I mentioned this a little bit ago, Tennessee needs to maximize who its best players are. And its best players on offense are Ty Chandler, uh, probably Marquez Callaway and probably Juwan Jennings, and you got to find a way to get those guys the ball. If that requires, I think a bunch you got to get the ball of, to Palmer too. If that's if that's a bunch of three step drops and and jump balls, then so be it. Make Auburn's corners defend those guys, um, yeah, and and trust your guys to make a play. Um, Which that was a good stat this it, week. Tennessee as much as it throwing the ball downfield, like the percentage of time that catchable passes downfield have been caught, it's not a great number. It's not well. Most statistics are made up anyway, so. Um, I don't believe in statistics true. or science or anything like that. What What is the old Mark Twain quote? It was on Jeopardy the other night. It's like there are lies, can't damn say, lies. Can't say I was tuned in. And statistics. And statistics. Thank you, Wes. I didn't get that one right. I'm an avid Jeopardy watcher, but I did not get that one right. That's true. That's a fun fact about about Patrick Brown. Loves loves him some Jeopardy. Tried to get on Jeopardy. This will be, I think, my fifth time whenever the test comes up. It's really hard. The watch, test is really sometimes hard. Sometimes I watch Sports Jeopardy hosted by Dan Patrick on NBC Sports Network. You know what you just guaranteed is going to happen before we uh, end this not this episode, but before, like there's going to be a downtime. Let's say when Tennessee is just really, let's say it's just hitting the fan late in the season. Nobody's, everybody's really down They're You know, they're, everybody's just upset. We're going to have a, uh, everybody's normal. We're going to have a, we're going to have a Patrick Brown jeopardy podcast where we're going to ask you questions and we're going to test your acumen or you I should just Ryan, Ryan or could you, get on jeopardy. <laughs> well, no, because no, no, here's, here's how Ryan would go on jeopardy. He would give the answer very late, right before the buzzer. <laughs> Alex Trebek would then say what the actual answer was, and then Ryan would say, "Yeah, I knew that." That that would be that would actually be, that would be Ryan Callahan on Jeopardy. If you want to do that, Wes, you should just record an episode. I'll have to scouts honor that I didn't watch the previous night's episode. I guess it comes out at seven thirty here, in Knox. So you could we could record a late podcast. live while it's <laughs> being behind. aired. Yeah. While it's being aired. Um, yeah, and I'll show y'all how good I am. I, I believe – I'd like to play in Jeopardy because I know a lot of stupid fun facts myself. You, you I think it would be fun. Back comes the contention. I think it would be fun. I will now take you down to Pain Town. Jeopardy contention. <laughs> I will take lame, you down to Pain this Town. This is the lamest contention I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's like they want to fight, but they're like, nah, I don't know, man. Seems like a lot of effort. We will get to a couple questions before we get out of here, and, and I don't know if I've also – Where are these questions again? Cause uh, they're on the, they're on the uh, Go Ball 24-7 checkerboard. And I've, I've started a new. I've started a, uh, also a new thing, and this is going to happen, whether Grant likes it or not. Uh, there's going to be the uh, Grant's Gun Show question of the week. Mm, here we go. And whoever asks the best question of the week gets a guaranteed it's a picture all of excess guns. pass to the Grant Ramey Gun Show. What does that mean? That means if you're at a game, you're walking around downtown, you're 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 up there in the in Maryville, Tennessee. You downtown. see, you've never been downtown. You see, <laughs> Grant, explain. You see Grant Ramey walking what around town, and if you say Grant Ramey Gun Show, 
he has to flex his muscles for you. And that is the Grant's Gun Show question of the week. So it's sort of like... Because that person flexed on the thread. It's Ooh. a it's a contest. Basically, it's it's just it's two contests in one. Because first you have to get the first part of it. you got to get the best question. And then you have to find Grant, like, where's Waldo? Probably asleep on the couch. Well, so, you don't get to go on to Grant's property. You don't get to go on to Grant's property. Okay, it's not how this goes. He's on bears two four seven dot com. If you're that, in my living room, that, come on down. That's not how this goes. Of course, they could. They could be like they could just go to Maryville and knock on like all eight houses and see which one's yours. I wish. I wish there were eight houses. <laughs> Too many people. This world needs less people. I'm gonna have to keep. We need another plague. We need another plague. Here, here is the first question that we're gonna go with really quickly before we get out of here. This is. Um, we've already answered this one, actually. This is from Trey Bones on our board. Asked, how will the defensive line hold up against Auburn? Is it uh, Trey Bones or, or Trey Bonnez? Trey Bonnez. Can you get the pronunciation, please? Or maybe it's French, Trey Bonnet. Huh? It rhymes? Could be. It could be Trey Bonnet. Uh, another one, someone said, this is actually interesting. UT Tracy said, I got, I got a question here. What's the difference between a tackle and a guard? What I mean by this is how do coaches determine what position on O-line fits that player best? The reason I ask this is because Tennessee seemed to run the ball better inside last year when Trey was playing guard, and he seemed to play with a more of a nasty streak. Because he's a better guard. Maybe, is it, maybe this is just a coincidence, and Trey is getting healthy right now, and he is more valued at tackle right now. Well, they're still running a lot. They're still having most of their success running left behind Trey. And Jameer Johnson. I think it's so, a pretty fair question, though. What do people between if you, if you look at someone and go tackle? You, you or want guard, your mo- you want your more athletic guys, longer at, longer arms, better feet, at, at bigger at tackle, hand, to bigger handle. hands. And, and and Trey had a uh, talked about this earlier this week. He had a um, Ryan was there for, for this part of his interview, but he was talking about this uh, the difference the differences in playing guard and playing tackle. And as Trey put it very bluntly, when you're playing guard, you're blocking a, a fat guy. You're blocking a defensive tackle most mm-hmm. of the time. Whereas at tackle, you're pad level. Whereas at tackle, you're having to play a lot more speedy, shiftier guys who are pass rushers, who are the other team's best athletes, and so who are trying to bend around you, who yeah. are dipping, who are trying to swim move yeah. inside and, the spins, and, and, outside spins. Yeah, I and mean. so uh, there's it's a lot different. And Trey played left tackle a little bit last year, but I mean he's what a six six three twenty. I mean that. You know, and he's a he is a good athlete. I don't think he's healthy right now, and I think he's really rusty. I think that's why you're seeing some struggles from him. I don't know that that him playing tackle is um, the reason that he's struggling. I think he is better suited at guard. His future uh, in the league and is and a his, guard, and his future in the NFL is almost certainly at guard. But they're having to play him at tackle right now because he's their best option at tackle. If if one if if Juan A. Morris gets here next year. Uh, and they get Darnell right, and they've got one of those guys to play left tackle. Maybe you'll see Trey go back inside at guard, but uh, right now they're having to play him at left tackle. And but but I think the I think the biggest difference is athleticism too and power. You want your more powerful guys uh, inside at guard. And and to go back to Trey Bones' question, Trey Bonet, Trey Bonet, defensive line. I feel better about that matchup just based on what you saw against Georgia. I mean that that should you should be most confident in that group as you are in anybody because Daryl Taylor finally looked like that dude and. I mean, mm-hmm. Kyle Phillips can do stuff. I mean, I'm I'm more comfortable with them than I am most position groups on the field. Alexis Johnson's played really really well so far. Um, to kudos, kudos to him. Waited his turn. Haven't heard from him a couple it, of years. And it, it's, it's weird. The best way I can describe it is um, it's sort of like the uh, that old Supreme Court case uh, with oh, uh, Here we go. with with former Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart. Who, when asked about what obscenity was, he said, "I know it when I see it." 
that's sort of how I look at the difference between offensive tackle and an offensive guard. I know it when I see it. Because what I mean by that is you just look at some guys as prospects, and you don't have to be 6'5". You can be 6'3 or 6'4 if you've got long arms. But what you do is you look for the long arms, the quick feet, and the size of the hands, like the big like oven mitt kind of hands. If you see someone who has that that sort of collection of stuff and is really mentally tough, that to me uh, is a tackle because you're going against premier defensive ends, so you have to have quick feet. You have to move really well for a guy your size. You have to have a good long reach, and you have to have strong hands. If you have those things, because last year Georgia almost won a national title with a six foot two left tackle. You can do it. It's not impossible, but normally you're going to be, I don't know, 10, 20, sometimes even 30 pounds lighter than a guard, ideally, uh, and you're going to have longer arms. You just look a little bit different. Uh, so physically, Trey Smith is a guy who, when you look at him at his best, could play re- really any of those spots. But I think his game is better suited for guard, as most linemen are. To and, be and it's interesting that we're, we're talking about Trey while not talking about Jameer Johnson, who is a guard, by trade a tackle. An but he's undersized playing, guard. But he's playing guard, and I think – uh, in this particular scheme, they do a lot of pin and pull stuff where you see the guards pulling a lot. You see yep. Carvin pulling a lot. You see Johnson pulling on. And I don't think there's any question that Jameer plays with a nasty streak. You know, he, he's When he gets his hands on guys, he's finishing blocks. Um, now, he's he's obviously struggling too. But it's, you know, this is a new level of football for him, and this is the first time he's played at this high level. So, um, But maybe that's part of the reason they want him at guard too is because <clears throat> you can get by a little bit more with – Maybe just playing nasty and playing with power, um, and, and sort of drive and wants to attack. I think you have to be a lot more technical, because little things are going to make the difference in, in your one-on-one matchup, particularly in pass protection. You got to have good hands. You touched on all this stuff, Wes. You got to have good feet. If your feet are wrong, and, and you're going to get you're going to get bull rushed. So, um, and, and I wonder how much of the struggles with the offensive line too, or you know, we and we've seen this a few times where they just don't block who they're supposed to block. So all, all of their issues on the offensive line are not physical. They're making a lot of middle mistakes too, and so they got to eradicate those. Yeah, UT Tracy, uh, you are going to be you are this week's winner of the uh, Grant's Gun Show question of the week. There was another good question here by Simpson Vol, but it can be answered pretty quickly. Does any program in, in college football go from the outhouse to the penthouse to the outhouse to the penthouse better than the Auburn Tigers? And that answer is no, no. not well, even I mean, close. This, this this team went from. They Cam Newton National Championship, two, fire Gene Chizik. Two years later, Gus 0-8 Malzahn, in the first year, going to the uh, the Natty. The Natty. Uh, Struggle for a couple years, seven, get back. Seven, five, eight, whatever, seven win seasons. Win the West. <laughs> and Gus talks this week about their fans are frustrated. I mean, Tennessee fans are probably uh, <laughs> not very happy about that. I mean, put some frustration into context. I mean, they, they were playing for the SEC title last year. It's true. Tennessee, meanwhile was not playing for the SEC title last season. They just want an SEC win. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's walk, or let's crawl, then let's walk. Then maybe start running with the big boys again. So we'll see. We'll have a lot to discuss. Crawl. How about just turn over? <laughs> yeah. Can you roll over uh, to your back and then to your belly and then back to your back again? Can you, can you, can you roll over? That's good. Thanks for listening this week, guys. We will be back same time-ish next week. We'll have... Uh, Another really fun game to talk about next week, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, uh, spoiler alert, that one's going to be nasty. However, Auburn is not Alabama. Auburn, Tennessee plays well. Auburn is in Alabama, though. A chance. You can go see us all the time. Hashtag geography. All the time. 
all the time at GoVols247.com. You can see us at Twitter.com slash GoVols247, Facebook.com slash GoVols247. I'm on Twitter at Twitter.com slash WestRucker247. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7. Grant Ramey is just Grant Ramey because he doesn't like to have the 24-7 name associated with him because he thinks he is better than us. I know. I don't think. For those of you who are going down to uh, Auburn, I will see some of y'all there. If you're going to the Birmingham thing, I will see you there. If not, uh, we will be back here. Uh, and if not, you can go to Facebook.com slash GoVols247. You can see Facebook Lives with us there. And congratulations. Remember UT Tracy. Make Grant Ramey flex those muscles. You can do it. Anybody got any final thoughts? I'm ready to flex. <laughs> <laughs>